0: Love music. Live sport. The lineout with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio.
1: Wednesday night Rocksport Radio. That means it's time for me, Lewis Stewart, with this week's edition of The Line Out, coming to you thanks to the wonders of modern technology all the way from Japan, where I've been following the Scotland team and their World Cup campaign, which got off to a pretty horrendous start last weekend. Now, I was not one of those great optimists who thought that Scotland were actually in with a serious chance of winning that game. Obviously, in any match, you got a puncher's chance. But in fact, if you look through the teams, it was always my view that the Irish had better players in the key positions. But what really came as a shock, not just to me, but to others, was the lack of fire in the Scottish performance. That the effort was there, I suppose, but it was misdirected that they weren't able to get up and really hurt the Irish when it mattered they allowed themselves to get bullied they allowed Ireland to dictate most of the collisions which got the men in green on the front foot pretty much every time they needed to and the Scotland attack seemed to have no real shape to it that they didn't have much idea when to just keep it tight and bang it up through the forwards and when to swing it out wide to their pacey back three and too often you saw the likes of Stuart Hogg coming into the line with the Irish defence all lined up all waiting for him and nowhere for him to go except up a blind alley while in the meantime the forwards were just getting nowhere when they carried the ball into traffic. For me I I suppose with the benefit of hindsight, I didn't say this before the match, the warning bells were probably there in the build-up to the game. One thing I've learned about Scotland teams over the last decade or so is that every time they start talking themselves up, every time they start saying, we're as good as this, or we can do this, we can beat the best teams in the world, then it seems to suck something of that fire out of their bellies. I don't know how, I don't know why, But they're not a team that can actually go into matches confident and still produce that abrasive, aggressive... ferocious performance that they needed to do against Ireland so I suppose in some ways that may very well turn out to be a kind of mixed blessing in that there is no doubt they are now hurting, they have now had the law laid down, they've seen the the social media reaction back in Scotland, they know the kinds of things people are saying about them and if that doesn't put fire in their bellies for the next game against Samoa then absolutely nothing will They're going into the game as favourites. Undoubtedly, Samoa have dropped down to 13th in the rankings, but they know that Samoa are a really, really dangerous side. They'll remember the last time they played them, where they ran out into a huge lead and then nearly lost the game as Samoa took control of the final quarter and ran tries in willy-nilly. And, of course, they'll remember the last World Cup, where Samoa actually won the try-count 4-3, and it was only a late try from Greg Laidlaw and his boot that kept Scotland in that game as they went through to the quarter final against Australia and it has been pointed out more than once that in the way that they got lucky in that game they got unlucky in the next one and karma just about played itself out over the course of those two games. So there is going to be nobody in the Scotland camp taking Samoa lightly next Monday but in the meantime it's all a question of rebuilding morale, rebuilding bodies to a certain extent, there were a lot of them very sore after the game, but in particular trying to get that confidence level just right where they feel able to play rugby but not complacent about what they can produce, that they know that they have got to go out there, get themselves hurt, they've got to put themselves into uncomfortable positions if they're going to play and then do exactly that which they didn't do against Ireland I think it's worth having a little bit of time having some look at the reaction immediately after the game to that Ireland performance. It was informative. We're told that Gregor Townsend in the changing room laid out in no uncertain terms just how unacceptable that performance had been. The players came out after that game looking shell-shocked and stunned, unable to believe, it seemed, that somehow in the course of 80 minutes they had managed managed to turn themselves from potential winners to complete no-hopers. And they couldn't really work out exactly what had gone wrong and why they were so poor. But if we're going to go into this, I think obviously we have got to start with the man at the top. We've got to start with Gregor Townsend. And there are going to be questions asked about his tenure, unless he can get this show back on the road very quickly. But first of all, Let's hear from the man himself and let him explain just how disappointed he was at that performance in Yokohama.
2: We didn't start with the energy, accuracy and aggression that is required to, to beat a team like Ireland. Ireland side very well and they took their chances when they got into our 22. And probably of any team in world rugby, if you give them up. A- fifteen to twenty point start, it's gonna be very difficult to come back. Look their the energy wasn't there but it wasn't as um, high as it has to be to be a team like Ireland. And whether that wasn't there in the warm up or had a few players hadn't played for two or three weeks, um, they certainly had trained really well. And we just missed <coughs> missed the start of that game, which was which was very
1: disappointing apart from the aggression you were talking about, there were an awful lot of handling errors in that opening quarter as well. And the, the weather hadn't come in at that point in the proceedings. What was that all about? Yeah, I think there was handling errors from both teams. Um, the,
2: the ball was was wet because it, the rain had fallen before. Some, some of it, um, the errors that we were getting uh, from Ireland were due to kick pressure. Some of them, the errors that we made were due to their defensive pressure. So it was a high turnover game. I think both teams were close to 20 turnovers. partly weather, partly due to
1: good defence. Gregor Townsend explaining that his players didn't have the energy that they needed to compete with Ireland, but really unable to provide any explanation as to how. And by now, we're in a position where we have to start thinking about what happens next, which is, of course, Samoa on Monday, followed by Russia and then Japan in pretty short, order so there is not a lot of time to put things right and you're going to hear this message from Townsend quite a lot over the next few days
2: Well we need to win our next three games and whether the result had been different today we need to win the next three games Uh, we have to bounce back play a lot better against Samoa uh, and carry that on to Russia and obviously especially Japan who started the tournament well the World Cup has just begun and we have to play much, much better in in our next three three games if we're going to make it out of our pool. But I believe in the squad that they will bounce back and... Be much
1: better against Samoa. Gregor Townsend trying hard to rebuild confidence in the team as they head into the challenges ahead, starting with Samoa on Monday. But really the challenge that he's got to look forward to more than anything else is taking on the hosts, Japan in front of what will undoubtedly be a patriotic, fervent crowd in Yokohama, on October the 13th. It's a game that was always teed up to be a make or break match and now it is definitely going to be that unless a real disaster strikes and Scotland go into the game already out of the tournament. Now the captain is supposed to attend these post-match press conferences, but this time it appears that when Stuart McInally, who had been leading the Scots, was on his way up to talk, that he got a severe bout of cramp in his upper thigh sort of uh, area, and had to go back down to the dressing room for medical treatment. So it was 24 hours later when we got him, but no particular a sign that the pain was any less we train really hard and
3: we we, we try and bring loads of, well we do bring loads of energy to our training and I look back at the week and you know personally I look back if we could have done anything differently or prepared differently and I don't believe we could have, I felt everything was good going into that game, all that was left to do was perform and we didn't perform and that, that's why it's frustrating and that's why we'll need to sort of go back and we'll sit down as leaders and discuss Discuss ways that we think we can we can do it better, and um, yeah, I thought you know Ireland are quite quality side and they they start with loads of energy and and we struggled. I think we were uh, taken aback by the manner in which it happened, and sometimes if you if you don't prepare well during the week or maybe training's not gone as well and you get beat, then you look back at that and say, oh, well, we didn't train well and and have what we'll have it, but we we trained really well. And we prepared as best as we could. It's one thing we said at the start of the week and I reiterated it, that we'll leave no stone unturned this week. Let's go into this game 100% sure of all our roles and everything so that we can just focus on on being energetic and being physical. And that was what was disappointing, is that that, that part was, was probably lacking.
1: And of course, in these days of social media and all of that, there is no hiding place for the players. They know fully well what is being said about them, not just in the media, but right across the whole of social media, where they have come in for a fair amount of fire, as McAnally acknowledged.
3: Yeah, we're aware of the criticism. You can't ignore it when it's all over social media, so like it's it's not something we go looking for, but unfortunately it's just the way it is is that you um you do stumble across it and um like we we know we know we didn't play well yesterday, and it's not it wasn't through lack of effort and it wasn't through a lack of preparation. Everyone took the field, having done everything they could to win that game, and you know what sometimes you just you just don't play well and we didn't play well, and they played very well, and they beat us so we have to learn from it of course we do we can't just bin it and forget about it we have to learn and uh, understand what what we could have done differently but then we're, you know, we're not going to put Ireland again in this group you know we've, we've played them now so we need to turn our focus to some more and how we're going to beat some more like we're yeah we know we didn't play well but you know no one's hurting more than the players and the management and everyone
1: who's here the stuart McInally, who is always honest about these things he understands the way the world works and he knows that the fans who had had their hopes built up so high, by apart from anything else the way that the team had sold itself really did feel gutted about the way that the team went on to perform and while the players obviously feel worse because they're the ones out there getting the hammering it certainly went down badly with the people back in Scotland but now they're in a position where they can't afford anymore to wallow in that sort of introspection and grief, they have got to find a way of bouncing back and beating Samoa, as McAnally acknowledged. We're certainly
3: not um, doubting our ability to go on and, and finish this pool strongly. You know, we've... Well, we've started poorly yesterday, Um Quickly will, uh, our quickly, our attention will quickly turn to Samoa. Like we have to, we have to go on and, and win every game, and that's that's a great challenge for us. But and it's something that's really going to focus us, I believe, mm-hmm. And that we have to go on and win every game now to get out of this pool, and and that's a challenge because we've got some good teams in this pool. But mm-hmm. you know, we're focused on that. We so
1: haven't played yet. What do you make of them? Obviously, you haven't seen them,
3: but you know, in general, what do you make of Samoa? What sort of are you Yeah, I played them. Uh, once personally but they're a big physical side and and they've got excellent skills and they're very good on counter attack and we need to be careful how we play against them because um, they've got some really dangerous runners when we get our game plan in place against Samoa we'll we'll make sure we have a, a strategy to to combat their players because they've got some excellent players.
1: Stuart McInally feeling confident that they can put things right against Samoa and the whole of Scotland will be hoping that he is right but one of the things that made that particularly depressing was that there had been a lot of talk in the build-up about the experience in the side and the leadership in the side and how even if things went wrong they still had enough out there to put it right on the field and in the end that isn't how it worked. Mm Okay, they had John Barclay, Greg Laidlaw, who have both been Scotland captains long-term in the past. You also had Grant Gilchrist, Ryan Wilson and Stuart Hogg, who have led the team on occasions. And Finn Russell remains a key player and growing in experience in his time with Racing 92. But the Brains Trust utterly failed to do anything to address the problems on the field as Barkley himself acknowledged. I think when you play as naive
0: as we do and you end up 17 or 19 points behind in quick succession, uh, good teams like Ireland, it's very hard to come back from so um, you know, I don't think we're, I don't know, I don't know in terms of the, your question about being a muscle I'm not sure, I just felt like you just kept getting turned over, the ball was kicked down the pitch and then Ireland are a very good team, You know, teams from two three metres out are very good though.
1: You made a lot of handy mistakes, how difficult were the conditions there?
0: Uh, the first half they were fine, uh, obviously second half you could clearly see what was going on but we made far too many mistakes in good positions and just coughed at the ball and then seem to be like uh, on repeat just kick down the pitch hack down the pitch chase it down and then you know end up under pressure again and uh, yeah look centre field scrum on your five-meter line the, one of the, ho- the hardest place to defend it, it, on the pitch um, yeah and then just the other ones are just you know basic I'm all, all defences we've got to take on the chin but three in quick succession is, is not good I felt like we we're in a good place going into the game the energy was good and then um, yeah I think it's easy to say You know, I didn't, I didn't feel like we were in just an individual error, I think. Was, and then that can take the wind out of sales. And then Ireland, a smart team, the way they play, just put the ball back onto you, make you run from it. And then when the conditions turned, it was then going to be sort of, we're going to be right up against it to try and come back and play and have to catch three tries up. I don't know, it was just, yeah, we were not very good. I don't know what to say, to be honest. Um, this is a big sense of deflation. Obviously, we've spent 100 days in camp now, and to produce that, you know, is very disappointing.
1: John Barclay on the trouble that the team got itself into and the mystery over their lack of performance which he admitted went right across the board that he didn't have his best game including one complete howler when Scotland were mounting one of their few decent attacks and he was the one who spilled the ball in a good position.
0: Oh, it was just not very good by me, to be honest. Just dropped the ball. Um, probably that it was pretty. You know that was our chance, maybe to come back in the game. I felt like we kind of come on to we're holding the ball reasonably well, and I obviously coughed at the ball. But um, yeah, we're looking at individual instances. You know, I think collectively across the board we weren't good enough.
1: Simply a question that Ireland handled the big match pressure better than you did. Oh, well, you'd have to say yes because they won. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, look, they, the way they play a certain way, um, their structure and their defence and their kick chase was very good. they um, were very direct, um, and we we didn't defend very well. We didn't, I don't know, we didn't play in the right areas in the first half. So I guess you could say they outsmarted us.
1: John Barkley feeling down, and it was no better for his colleague Johnny Gray either, who always wears a start on his sleeve and wasn't keeping anything back this time.
4: Yeah, it's, it's massively disappointing. Um, We've played really well from this game. Um, just a week in Nagasaki and a week here in Tokyo, the training had gone really well, and I thought we really, the team were in a really good place and uh, really well prepared. And we knew how tough it was going to be against Ireland, but um, just started too slow um, against a world class side. World-class side like Ireland um, to start at that and given the, the advantage, it's, it's always tough to build out the game. And um, yeah, they took their chances when they got the opportunities, and we didn't. So it's yeah, it's tough. It's, it's, it's not a nice place to be, uh, especially at the start of the tournament. But um, you know, there's a big belief in the squad, and uh, we're all together and we're all on this. And we know we've got some more um, in the next eight days' time. So that's going to be a huge challenge again. But no, it's, it's not easy to take. The Gregor in the press conference suggested there was a lack of
1: aggression and intensity in the. 20 minutes. Did you feel that? And if so, have you any idea why?
4: Uh, no, As like I said, it's, it's massively disappointing. And yeah, we're all in this together, and it, it does hurt. It hurts like a when you, when you play for your country, um, there's, there's so much passion, and we want to show that, and we want to make the people back home proud and the Scots out here proud. And yeah, we didn't do that tonight, and, and that, that's probably what hurts the most. And like I said, when you start slowly, it's, it's hard to build back in the game. But Oak Ridge, Highland, they played well and they deserve the win. But that that hurts uh, the preparation and all the time and everything that's going on in this game. It's, it's just, um, yeah, we're just disappointed that didn't come out tonight. What do you actually go about, in practical terms, doing to put it right? First of all, we look at it and. Uh, we're very honest with ourselves we have to be um, we have to look at the clips and the videos and what went wrong and the areas we have to improve and um, the good thing about this group um, the culture in it and how hard we work we're very honest with each other and we'll have those honest conversations it's not easy to watch um, but we have to do that to benefit the team and um, to to prepare as best we can against some more because um, yeah there was a, few, a lot of things didn't go right tonight so we have to get get them nailed down for next week
1: Johnny Gray wrapping up the inquest into what happened last week they have still got a three- three matches left in the pool stage and if they do well enough in those then they could still have a quarter final. so they have got to stop looking at that underperformance put it right and make sure they come out all guns firing next week and after the ad break I'm going to be back looking at what they need to do there
0: Have you picked up the Feel the Heat brochure from your local Plumbase? Get one today and take advantage of great offers, including Polypipe's Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket at £99.99. That's a 15% saving on purchasing individual pieces, and it's exclusive to Plumbase. The Polypipe Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket is just part of the Polypipe range, available in the Plumbase Feel the Heat brochure. Shop online now at plumbase.co.uk or grab one from your local branch
2: motorpoint we put the super into car supermarket we're here to save the day with a choice of over seven thousand low mileage nearly new cars find your next car in a flash with our lightning fast service and same day drive away plus with motorpoint's price pledge if you find the same car for less we'll match the price and give you a 50 pound amazon voucher visit motorpoint glasgow today just two minutes from junction three of the m74 t's and c's apply see website for details
5: the list of things you need to do gets longer at this time of year whether that's for the house or in your business so take one thing off your list right now your septic tank could need emptied Let Grant Henderson Tankers empty your septic tank in the home or work, farm, factory or workshop at very competitive rates. We are septic tank specialists, experienced, safe and dedicated to environmental safety with our own licensed disposal site. Find out more at wemovesh.it or call 01698 284 987. Grant Henderson Tankers, let the experts manage your waste. If you were persuaded by Lloyds
1: or the Halifax or any other bank to move your savings into a Stocks and Shares ISA or Unit Trust, which then ended up losing money, it's time to contact Goodwin Barrett.
0: Text GOOD to seven. Goodwin Barrett have already helped thousands of customers
1: recover millions of pounds. Text GOOD to 6677 now.
4: Goodwin
1: Barrett. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint, and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the Financial Ombudsman. Love music. Live sport. The Line Out with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Welcome back to part two of the programme where, as I promised before the break I plan to have a look at the game against Samoa next Monday which is taking on an even more important hue in Scotland's World Cup campaign than had been originally thought but first a quick diversion into a couple of other things that are happening back in Scotland the first one of which is that earlier today the SRU at long last published their development strategy for the next four years this is actually an important document and one which we will undoubtedly get into in more detail over the next month or two but it sets out the attempts that they're going to be making to try to get more people involved in the community game of rugby Uh, the People who play for pleasure alone, not the professional, not the high-end game, not the kind of stuff we're talking about at the World Cup, but the guys who turn up in order to have a run-around on a Saturday afternoon and maybe a half-pint of beer afterwards. Now regular listeners to the program will remember that the tail end of last season I did have Sheila Begbie on the program and she explained the principles that they're going to be going with and this document pretty much sticks to what she's talking about uh, the review is aimed at bringing about a position where they have five regional development uh, units which are going to be subdivided into 12 districts all of whom are going to have a prime focus of helping the local clubs to develop in their own particular ways and the idea of having that many subdivisions is that each area of the country has its own specific needs and people will have their own way of coping with the different demands of those needs and they will have a local point of contact that will understand all of that and hopefully be able to help. This development strategy, it must be said, is all about strategies and uh, ideas and visions and objectives and all of those kind of things which will produce, one would hope, results in the long run. But there is nothing particularly specific about what is going to change in the media future. And a lot of attention is going to be devoted to the little diagram at the bottom of the report which purports to give an accurate number for the number of people actually playing rugby uh, at a regular basis. And they are claiming more than 36,000 consisting of 11,028 adult male players players, which, quite frankly, I think pulls us back to that position that was so heavily criticised before, where every single person who ever laces up a pair of rugby boots seems to be included in the count. Even if they play less than 30 seconds over the course of a season, then they're still going to be included in that. I don't believe anywhere like that number. Play with any regularity. What may be a bit more reflective of reality is that they claim there are 21,176 boys playing rugby. That is obviously those at school and those and the club junior teams. That sounds a little bit more like the kind of anecdotal evidence that I'm hearing from the clubs. They're also saying 16. 158 women plus 2,345 girls are playing rugby, which is a increase on the last figures I saw and suggests that the work that's being done to increase the female side of the game is actually beginning to pay off at last. Now... I'll be honest with you, I am at something of a disadvantage here because I am out in Japan and all of this is happening in Scotland. So while I may have a few initial thoughts of my own, I have to admit that it's not until I get back to Scotland that I'm going to be able to get my teeth into this particular document with any great depth and seriousness. But I promise you that when the World Cup is over and I am back in uh, Terra Scotia that it is going to be on my list of things to do. The other thing I'll just point out without going into it in any detail at all is that this is also the opening weekend of the Pro 14 with Edinburgh playing Zebra and Glasgow flying out for their opening fixture in Bloemfontein against the Cheetahs who in the interim set their credentials for the season by winning the Curricut up in South Africa so that's going to be a tough challenge for Glasgow, because these Cheetahs are not going to be losing any players at all to the South African World Cup squad, where of course Glasgow have got a number of players in the Scotland squad and players in other squads as well, including DTH Vandermeer, who is just about to become the second Canadian player to play in four World Cups. Teams haven't been announced yet, of course, but I will bring you some reaction to those games in next week's programme and for those of you who are interested in seeing a little bit of live rugby rather than watching the World Cup of the telly at um, godly hours in the morning, then there is a match at Murrayfield on Friday night. Now, that's enough of me talking about the other issues. I think it is now time to fulfil that promise and start examining that Samoa game. It was always going to be a big clash against a big team, but after that defeat against Ireland, not so much the result itself, but the manner of the result, Scotland really are up against it and are going to have to produce some sort of performance against a team that they have... at least in recent years struggled against. They did have that big win in that rather strange game in New Zealand way back in 2005 but since then the record has been of tight matches and although Scotland have won most of them there was that 17-27 defeat in the triangular tournament in South Africa to throw into the bunch as well while the last two games have seen Scotland squeezing out a 36-33 win in the last World Cup in a game played at Newcastle with Samoa winning the try count but losing the kicking duel and most recently triumphing 44-38 at Murrayfield after opening out a big lead but then letting the Pacific Islanders back into the game you add in before that that you were games like that one out in a pier where it took an injury time try to win 17-16 and a late penalty for them to win 1916 in the game in Aberdeen back in 2010. You may remember that as the one where lots of the Scotland fans got stranded in a blizzard on the way home. And you realise that Samoa are no mugs and they do seem to have Scotland's number and certainly what they will bring to the game, if nothing else, is a confidence that they know how to take on Scotland and they have the physicality that will upset the Scots and rock them off. Their game. It's a formula that's worked for Samoa in the past, and there's no particular reason to think they're going to go away from it. Though it is possible that the sightings of two key players, Ray Lilo, the Cardiff Blues centre, and Motu Matu, the hooker, for foul play in other words, head high tackles in the game against Russia at the beginning of this week could cause problems for for the Samoa. And with Wing Ed Fido also on a citing Commissioner's warning, they know they have to be on their best behaviour. And sometimes when they're on their best behaviour, then they aren't as physical as they would like to be. That has got to be something that Scotland will be trying to play on. Not that Fred Russell expected to make a huge amount of difference. He understands that Samoa really have got a pretty simple approach to the game and that he is anticipating
6: more of the same. You know, Samoa, Fiji, Tonga, all blacks are all very physical sides, putting them before so it'll be uh, a tough game for us this weekend. And I think mentally we we'll have to front up for these big shots coming at us and, and for us to, to try and impose ourselves, in, in defence especially. Um and on the, the Big Simone boys. So, um yeah, they, are, they are a very physical team but it's, uh it should, should be good fun against them I think. Um but no yeah, looking on to the next three games we'll have to make that a kind of focus point for us and, and making sure we start well. Um, whether that's a thing to do in the week building up in the training sessions, um or in the warm up before a game. But um I th- I think the players this week will be mentally and physically in the right place and we know what, what we've got to do so um I believe we'll come out with a you know, some, some fire in the belly after after the weekend.
1: Fire in your belly, promised Finn Russell, and I must admit, I think it's a pretty good way of expressing it. I think that is what was missing against Ireland—that there was nowhere near enough fire in anybody's belly in that match. And they're going to have to find it if they go to undermine the Pacific Islanders, who can be fierce opponents. Four years ago when they ran Scotland to within three points after all they were a team going into that game without a single World Cup win in that campaign but when it came to facing Scotland they had the wherewithal to turn it on. So is that frustration and anger from the last game the secret to getting that fire and the way to make sure that
6: they perform next time? I, mean, I think the frustration you know last a couple of days after the game was definitely there um, but I, th- I think from now for myself it's got to put that behind us and move on to the Samoa game. If we you know, if we try and play and win on frustration and anger, it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. You know, we need to stick to our structure, stick to our um t- to what we do, uh, rather than thinking of we can beat them with anger and frustration. That's that's not how you're gonna win international test matches. So um you know, we had a, tra- a training session today, so we're gonna have to put, put Ireland behind us now and get on to, to some more. Aaron's always going to be a tough game for us, but um, we still we need to get ourselves right, ready and prepared properly for the next the next three games going to them. It's frustrating, but we can still can still qualify
1: the group. Finn Russell convinced that they can still make it out of their pool and. Realistically, they should make it out of their pool. After all, historically, Scotland have usually lost at least one match in their pool stages, and they have only missed out on the quarterfinals on the one occasion in 2011, when they lost two matches for the only time. So as long as they don't lose any more matches, then the pool stage should be an easy quality qualification for a quarter-final, although whether they will go beyond that has got to be very much open to doubt, since the quarter-final will be against almost certainly New Zealand, possibly South Africa, but certainly nobody else in that pool, and I'm not sure that they're good enough to beat either of those two teams. However... First things first, they have got this game against Samoa, and I've explained already some of the dangers that Samoa pose, not least on the scoring front, where they scored 98 points in the last three games. That's just one point shy of averaging 33 points a game. And that suggests that they know how to find ways through the Scottish defensive system and they have got runners capable of exploiting the gaps that they will create. And that poses a challenge for defence coach Matt Taylor. Who was deeply unhappy about some of the things he saw in the game against Ireland, and told the players pretty much that when they had their review of the match, and is looking for much better
7: things this time. Well, I think, listen, we were, you know, we're pretty brutally honest with, you know, the review. Um, you know, we said, listen, that part's gone. We can't get that game back. Uh, We focused on today's training session, we started well, we've got to make make the few days that we've got to prepare against Samoa Count in terms of we've probably got maybe a couple of days more preparation time than they do. Um, So again it's making sure that we're doing everything that we can, that we're prepared and we're ready to go and we we front up on the the day and I can understand people disappointed. I mean I'm disappointed, the boys are disappointed, we don't go into those games not to perform well. Um, we go out there to perform to our best of ability, and uh, and we didn't do that, and we're disappointed. Um, you know, maybe the occasion got to us. I'm not sure. I can't say. And you know, if if I knew the answers, would be able to turn it around directly and make sure it never happened again. So, but we'll be doing everything in our power to make sure that we put in a performance that um, the country can be proud of, um, and the next time we get that occasion, which is Samoa. Matt Taylor there
1: demanding more from his troops but for him as a defence coach the real challenge is to come up with a strategy that prevents Samoa from running in 30 or more points which is what they've done the last couple of times
7: they have played against Scotland so how big is that challenge? Well yeah it gives us lots of challenges but again I'll be hoping that the boys are pretty keen to get up and smash them because um, we need to do that you know, And, and we don't do that then you know um, you know it's going to be tough so they play with a lot of width they're big explosive athletes so we've got to make sure that we get up with our line speed we got to knock them over like I say I'm sitting here and I'm disappointed I'm, I'm frustrated Every, everyone's frustrated we, but we've got to move on you know that's gone we're disappointed in it it's gone. If we dwell on that, you know, that seeps in a Samoa. It's, we're over it. We're going we're gonna to do a good job in Samoa. I'm sitting here saying that we will. I'll be disappointed if I'm sitting here in a week's time. We don't. Um, but I'm sure the boys are pretty focused and doing well, and I'm sure they'll, they'll talk about that as well.
1: Matt Taylor looking for a big response from his players ahead of the game against Samoa, and you can't help thinking that they need it. One other thing, of course, the game did come at some cost in terms of personnel. We knew pretty much straight away after the game that Hamish Watson was probably out of the tournament. You don't see a player carried off in a stretcher like that with his knee in that kind of brace and expect to see him again within a couple of weeks. And he is now on his way back to Edinburgh for more detailed scans and treatment. And then a couple of days later, we discovered that what Ali Price thought was just a minor little strain to his ankle was in fact more serious. He travelled down from... Yokohama to Kobe on the Shinkansen, the bullet train with his foot in a protective boot and using crutches to help himself get around but nevertheless initially there was a fair degree of optimism which then proved to be way over the top when X-rays proved that the problem was more serious and he is home as well with Magnus Bradbury who was already in Japan coming into the squad to replay Watson and Henry Pergos flying out from Scotland to replace Price. Although I think actually the player who will probably benefit most from it will not be Henry who has been at World Cups before but George Horn who was already in the squad as the third choice crumb half and is likely to see a huge amount more action than he would have expected at the beginning of the tournament. And this this could be an opportunity for him to cement his place as the number two scrum half in the pecking order. Right then. Time for a change of tack, time to start summing all of this up and I'm delighted to tell you that I have with me Steve Scott from The Courier, one of the most experienced rugby journalists that I have around me, somebody who's been to many World Cups before and knows all about it. So welcome to the programme Steve and first question I suppose has to be have you recovered from the game yet? I was over it in
5: just about half an hour because you're so used to seeing it now I mean it's been so many games that the expectation has been huge and uh, what's been produced has been nowhere near it and what's happened has been almost embarrassing I mean you remember uh, Twickenham a couple of years ago you may remember Cardiff uh, you remember Ireland so many games that happens now it's become we're inured to it almost
1: Is that part of the problem possibly do you think that they get into this frame of mind where they think that they are better than they really are and they go out and they can't produce it because they've got into a sort of almost I suppose complacent is not quite the right word but they've gone into a frame of mind where they they don't have the fire in them that they need to have to play like the way they should do uh, uh,
5: They seem to be at a loss to understand it as well and I certainly am because it's happened on enough occasions now you would think they would have some kind of like fail safe way of preventing it from happening but Uh, The same things happen again and again. The team try to run before they can walk in a game, before they set a platform, they throw the ball about, something calamitous happens, and before they know it, they're behind their own post, discussing why they've fallen behind again. That's six of the last seven games against tier one countries. Uh, Italy's the exception this year that that they've lost the first try in the first 15 minutes and been behind the eight ball every single
1: game. And that is uh, a difficult thing to cope with. It's almost impossible against a team like Ireland who have fantastic defence amongst other things and big, big forwards that kind of expose ours in all facets of the play particularly I thought in the Collisions, the breakdown, and all that part of the game.
5: Absolutely. If you lose, Scotland do well when we're kind of level on the contacts. If we if we survive the contacts and aren't dominated, we generally do quite well and can build a platform. But uh, against Ireland, that just never happened. And we were we they, had the, they were on the front foot defensively all the time and, and winning the collisions. And once they get ahead, they squeeze the game. Wales are the same. Once they get ahead, they completely squeeze the game on you, and you're forced to try even more outlandish things, which lead to more calamities, and that's basically what happened on Sunday, I feel.
1: And so you look at this, they've now got a game against Samoa, which is looming large. They have a history of bouncing back from these underperformances. Is this going to be another one of those, do you think?
5: Well, hopefully. Uh, I'd I'd rather they didn't go through these embarrassing reverses in order to get a reaction, to be be honest. Samoa have been difficult for us. Uh, Almost every game we've played against them has been close, uh, dating all the way back to... uh, WHEN WE FIRST Played them was been very very rare. I think there was one game in New Zealand in Auckland. Yeah. We pl- they played them uh, under Matt Williams when th- there was a, a simple victory. But out, all the games, the last World Cup in Newcastle was really. I mean, we watched it. You watched that game through with your fingers over your eyes because I mean, they were just desperate. And Scotland had to win to get to the quarterfinals. Thankfully, they did mostly due to Greg Laidlaw, It has to be said. Uh, and even the last game at Murrayfield was not a done deal until the very end. I think Peter Horn broke away for a try in the end, which finally subdued them. But there not easily so we find it difficult to subdue Samoa no question about that
1: uh, Samoa has got lots of points against us for the last little while I mean the last three games you know with that with that uh, defeat in South Africa when yeah. Samoa you know, completely mulled us that high scoring game where they scored 33 points I think it was in Newcastle mm. and then they scored about another 32 or 33 at Murrayfield who the last time we played them so they're a dangerous dangerous side definitely that's
5: got to be sorted at the weekend clearly uh, I would doubt whether we can completely subdue them just by playing a set-piece game, but I would like us to get a platform. I would like us to maybe try and push their uh, discipline, which on last night's evidence, the game against Russia uh, is still quite a dubious thing for them. Uh, If we can get a few penalties, Greg, if he starts, I assume he's going to start, kicks a few goals. We get a 9-3 or a 12-6 Sort of situation. There's the platform you want to open out and take the game away from Samoa, and hopefully they can do that.
1: But Samoa are also a team that they are. You never really get the game completely away from them. No. We saw them in Murrayfield, and I think we were something like 21 points up against them, and then suddenly they started chucking the ball around, and gaps opened up all over the place. Yeah,
5: I mean defensively, it's going to be a lot. Have to be a lot more sound and a lot more prepared for the unexpected. Uh, it's very difficult, I imagine, to go f- from a really structured team like Ireland to a really loose team like Samoa but that's basically what we're going to find from now on I think the Russians will probably try and throw the ball about as well Japan most certainly will they'll try and run us off off our feet so we need to get into a set piece uh, attitude now where that is strong and where we have the platform where, where we can unleash Finn and unleash the, unleash Hoggy but not until we are, are in a position of strength.
1: But you look at the that game how important is it in terms of the World Cup coming up now because now we're in a position where you just we can't afford any we can't afford any relaxations.
5: No, absolutely. I mean, they—they they have to win the next three games. No question about that. Uh, I think they can win the next three games. Are probably the three teams that come match up to Scotland <laughs> a bit better than Ireland did. We've had problems with Ireland a lot in recent times uh, at all levels. I remember coming away from the Pro 14 final uh, thinking, "Well, that's really another Irish team that is basically." ground out a victory against us and I remember seeing Gregor at the end of that game looking quite pensive and I would think what is he thinking now how are we going to beat this team in Yokohama as it turns out we didn't even get close to beating them in Yokohama so, but Ireland are gone now so it's we feature on the teams that are coming I think Scotland match up well against them or at least should do if we play to their potential and I would hope to get the three wins and get into the quarter final then it's New Zealand and then well enough said
1: and <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes as you say yeah. New Zealand who knocked us out of the first four World Cups. Indeed, and who got through a
5: game against South Africa without really any lasting damage, and they're unlikely to be damaged by any teams they play now. So, I mean, physically damaged. um, I don't think we're going to get a situation where we got Australia without their best player in the quarterfinals last time, and that's probably why we almost beat them. Uh, It's not going to happen against New Zealand, I
1: feel. No. But you look at the position we're in that... uh, We've had this history about bouncing back in a big match, in matches when we've underperformed the time before, That uh, but one of the things that I get annoyed about in a way is, that, as you touched on earlier, we seem to need that kick before we actually start firing. <laughs> it, how do you manage to kick them like that before the thing starts rather than after?
5: I think it's almost... A sh- I remember it was very much the case with Sean Lillian's Glasgow that happened. Sean Lillian's Glasgow would have a terrible result and then face a decent team the next week and play out their skins and beat them. You saw it happen all the time. And see, they seemed to get out of that when Townsend became coach at Glasgow. But obviously the same kind of thing's happening now. Obviously we much prefer that they didn't have to go through these calamities to... to get a a good performance and we're not guaranteed a good performance against Samoa, let's face it but uh, it's absolutely essential that they do bounce back and it's absolutely essential that they manage to garner and this attitude of being able to not capitulate in the way that they've, they've done in recent games, it's become a habit that's happened far too often is it a mental thing? is it a tactical thing? is it a preparation thing? I'm not sure we've been told the last ten weeks have been thorough preparation, super planning, the greatest camps we've ever seen. Where's the evidence of that? We need to see some evidence. We need to see evidence of that against Samoa.
1: Where's the Steve Townsend then? Because this is undoubtedly, you know, the, a turning point for him. He's promised so much in the World Cup. He's got to deliver something.
5: Definitely. Next, no, they have to win the next three games for Gregor. Really, even if Gregor loses the next three games, he's still the most successful Scottish head coach since professionalism. But The fact is you're judged nowadays on success in Six Nations, which we've not really enjoyed, and you're certainly uh, judged every four years on performance in the World Cup. For Scotland, that means quarterfinals. If Gregor can't pilot the team to the quarterfinals, serious questions have to be asked. As I said in my own paper at the weekend, every other Six Nations team is changing their management team at the end of this World Cup, except for Scotland maybe we might have to
1: Hamish Watson Ali Price are heading home mm-hmm. uh, Hamish in particular how big a blow do you think that that's is that's
5: a huge blow I think Hamish is the most important player to the team now really given that Finn's so hot and cold and Hoggy may struggle to get him to get the moment may not get to Hoggy to, to, for him to do something and on the occasions he's marked very very heavily as well I think Hamish was the most important guy in the team because you could rely on Hamish to do the necessary stuff and you could rely on him to bounce off defenders and make, make hard yards uh, I think when he was was missing in the Six Nations. We missed him severely and I think we're going to miss him for the rest of this tournament.
1: But in fact, when he went off after, what, 37 minutes and he still finished second on the tackle count exactly. uh, with WP Nell who went off after about 50-something minutes, the top of the tackle count, yeah. which doesn't say a lot about what the rest were up to.
5: No, it doesn't. Um, really, Willie Nell should not be leading the tackle count for Scotland uh, because he's there for other things. He's not there for ball carrying. He does a bit of ball carrying but he's not really there for that. He's there to shore up the scrummage and we need more tacklers. I mean, I would be. I mean, I'm shocked that, say, Barclay wasn't top of the tackling count. usually. Very close to it. Obviously, Hamish as well, but as as we say, Hamish is going to be a huge miss for us.
1: Steve, that's fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. Good Good to talk to you. Thank you. Stevie Scott from The Courier finishing up this week's programme. Yet again, the clock has beaten us, but I will be back this time next week to review what happened in that Samoa game and look forward to the game against Russia the following Wednesday. But that's it from me for another week. Good night. Love music. Live sport. The lineout with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio.